Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Causeway Coast Vineyard. My name's Trey, part of the family here. I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. We're going to jump straight in because we want to do a lot of things this morning. And um, last week was so precious and so special. And I just believe that we are in a time of breakthrough. God is doing new and fresh things. And, we, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. So we've been in our returning series, returning to what matters most. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about returning to foundations. And we won't be going historically or chronologically through the story, but this week I am picking up right from the scripture where I left off last week in Ezra 3. And we want to talk about an event that happens a, a bit of time after that altar was built. And I'm going to pick up in verse 7 there of chapter 3 of Ezra, just to kind of set our scene so you know what's going on. In verse 7 there. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa just as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. Now what's going on there is they're preparing for the temple to be built. The word that we talked about last week from the prophet Haggai, which had said, you're building your own houses, build a house for me, says God. They begin that process. Now look at the date here, the next verse, in the second month of the second year. So when we first saw that altar build, it was the seventh month. So time has passed. And what they've done is they've centered again on God at the altar. And now they begin the next stage of that. So in the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel son of Shiltal, Joshua son of Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem began the work. They appointed Levites, and these were kind of the temple guys, the guys who ran the temple, 20 years and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons and brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodavai, and the sons of Henadad and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. They were ready to move forward. They were ready to actually start the work that God had given them in their generation. Because see, here's the thing. Now that the altar was built, the foundations could be and can be laid. Now that the altar had been built, the foundations of what God wanted to build in their time could be laid. And for all of us, here's the thing. We always have to start at that place. It always begins for us with an altar being built in our lives, an altar of absolute surrender. Because we can't lay foundations until all the altar has been built again. Here's why. We are excited to be back in this building. We're excited that the, 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 we're, we seem to be turning a corner, that, that shops and stuff are reopening. That's all exciting stuff. It is thrilling that we get to be together in this room. Aren't you enjoying it, even though it's a little bit weird? I mean, how, how many people haven't recognized someone with a mask on? Everyone. Yeah, it's a powerful moment, isn't it? The mask goes on, you're like, hello. <laughs> I ran into some of the shop the other day, they were like, hey, man. And I was like, hey, brother. Because I had no clue who it was. You know, they did a quick mask peek, you know? Even in the midst of all of that, and all of that thrilling stuff, even as right now we look at rebuilding again, guys, for us, what we've come for and why we're regathering this building is not because it's fun to be together again or that it's great to get to have music live or any of that stuff. We're regathering because we have come here for Jesus and Jesus alone. 
We're not gathering here even for what he can do for us. We're gathering here because he's worthy of us. Do you hear me? And that's not that he doesn't do stuff for us or for our families or even for our community or for this city. But let me tell you, we don't gather here. We're not on this building. We're not trying to lay foundations for what God can do for our city. We're doing it because God is worthy of our whole city's worship. Does that make sense? God is worthy of all of our lives. We come for that. And so now that that altar has been built, we can begin to lay foundations. And we are in a time of rebuilding and a time of laying foundations. And there's a few things that I've just been sensing. And again, we're going to be talking about this for months to come as we talk about returning to our foundations. But there were just a few things that I just was sensing from the Lord that I think that God is heeding for us right now as we begin that process as well. Like we see in our story of laying the foundations. And the first one is this. Foundationally for us, we are a people of the good news. A people of good news. And what I mean by that is that we are people who are carrying the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not motivated in the way that we share the gospel by fear or by duty. We're motivated by the fact that we have discovered the reason we're alive and it's so wonderful. And we are a people of good news. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when, I was, uh, when I first met Tori um, many, 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 many moons ago, Tori had a computer. It was an Apple Mac. And it was the first one I'd ever seen. And everyone around me was trying, just getting to grips with computers. I know for some of you in the room, you won't believe there was a time when you didn't carry a whole world on your phone, okay? We had to actually go to these big boxes and turn them on and then wait, and they would go, plunk, and then a C prompt, and you had to learn everything to type in. Tori turned on a computer, and a little smiley face came up. I would try to print, and I would be like, I'll do anything to make it print. And Tori was like, look, I can just print, and it can do different fonts and colors, and I was like, this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen. And I began to tell everyone about this computer. People would be frustrated. I'd be like, look at this great computer. And it wasn't because I felt compelled that that computer was, you know, important for the world's history. I just was so thrilled with the good news that I discovered a way to use more than one font. Right? And so often what we find in our lives is that we're evangelistic about everything except the most important thing of all. Right? And for some of us, if we've grown up in a religious culture, it might be because we felt that was a duty or it was fear-motivated. But I'm going to tell you the good news. The good news is that we are a people foundationally of good news. We share the good news of Jesus because we can't contain it any longer. And the good news of Jesus is most effectively shared outside of this building. This is a place to share it, but it comes alive outside of our meetings. Does that make sense? Here's another one. We are a people of the supernatural foundationally we're a people of the supernatural and I think that word is so important because it's supernatural we want to believe and to see the work of the Holy Spirit the miraculous the moments where we like this morning we, we've had this sense of breakthrough and let me tell you I want it to be the natural thing of my life to expect God to move in a supernatural way because it's natural you follow me in this past week, moment after moment, we've had like meetings and, and you know, here as our team has been regathering, we've been able to have meetings in person. And we have just again been going, before we start our agenda, let me tell you, we come to those meetings with huge agendas of things to do. But every time what we've been doing instead is we've just been going, Holy Spirit, come, do you have anything you wanna do? And we hardly can get to the agenda anymore because the presence of God is there. Why? Because we're beginning to once again go, we expect the supernatural in all things. And I just wanna encourage you right now, it's a time of breakthrough. The supernatural can become our natural. 
We right now, let me tell you what our city needs more than great planning or great strategy. Our city needs a move of God that is beyond us in our natural lives. It needs the supernatural healing of God. The supernatural moment that gives people hope again. We are a people of the supernatural. Let me tell you what else we are. We are a people of the people. Everyone, every day, everywhere. Why is that so foundationally important to us? It's because what we're talking about are the things that we're, 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 we're saying these are foundational. They're for all of us. It's for everyone. It's available to all of us. It's for everyone, every day, everywhere. In fact, the great danger in these times, and perhaps even in this time, where we've had to kind of, you know, kind of go online and all that kind of stuff, and the reality is that we can begin to believe that actually the place where, where the experts are is on a stage or from a podcast and all of that. But let me tell you, the good news is that this is not just for experts, this is for the everybody. It's foundational to we are. It's not just for the pastors, it's for everyone. It's not just for the ministers, it's for everyone. And what our city needs is that we, see, because when we stop doing that, we stop making this a consumer experience, right? We don't come to church as a consumer experience. We come because it's a setting place for us to go out as carriers of hope. And you've heard me say it before, and I know I'm talking fast, it's because I want to get to what we're doing at the end. <laughs> My wife is just going, slow down. But let me say this again to you. This meeting where we gather here and we look at someone on a stage, this is one of the ways that we do this, but let me tell you, the power of Jesus is carried in our hearts and outside those doors. That's where this comes alive. This is not a restaurant where we prepare a meal for you. This is a place where we learn to cook up the hope and the goodness of God and then we go and serve it, everyone, every day, everywhere. That sense of the presence of Jesus that was with us last Sunday in this room, it's so powerful, but I long for far greater encounters in schools and in businesses and in homes and in shops because that is how we build the foundations that the glory falls upon. And then lastly, friends, we're a people of his presence. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but I just can't help but emphasize it again. We're a people of his presence. It's the most important thing of all. When we talk about laying our foundations again, all the knowledge and the practice and the experience and strategy that we have mean nothing without his presence. It won't matter how well we plan the next 98 years of our 100-year vision if the presence of Jesus isn't over every part of it. And so as we look to the future, all of our strategies, all of it are meaningless without his presence. We may be able to achieve great human accomplishments, but without his presence, they take so much more effort and they're far less effective. Because here's what he does. God does more in a moment than we achieve in a lifetime, doesn't he? And here's the word I have for you today. If you are in a frustrating and impossible situation and you are out of answers, you have felt like you have tried everything in the world, let me just tell you again, seek his face, go to his presence again. He does more in a moment than we achieve in a lifetime over and over and over. I have such expectation for what he's doing right now because we are in this time of breakthrough. And as we think about those foundational things, let's return to our story and see what happens as they lay the foundations. Now I'm picking up again in Ezra 3, just in verse 10 there. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple of the Lord, the priests and their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. So as they're getting ready to lay these big foundations down, they get everything together. 
They prepare the musicians. They prepare the temple workers. They prepare the priests. And they're all dressed in their priestly clothes. And they're all ready, their instruments. And then as they begin to lay the foundations, they cry out with a loud voice. They sing, he is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now this is a powerful moment because they've come back from exile. Their homes are still being rebuilt. We're only in the, in the, you know, the, the second year now. They're still, the, the wall of their city is still in ruins. They're standing in the ruins of what used to be the temple, but here in this moment, what they're doing is they're going, even though we're surrounded by ruins, we've built an altar, now we're gonna lay the foundations again because we are working towards something even in the desolation because God is a faithful God and his faithfulness endures forever. And let me tell you, in this moment right now, we may have desolation around us, but it is a time for us again to lay those foundations again and go, God is faithful. We're building toward what he sees even when we don't. We're laying those foundations again. And you can imagine that many of them are thinking of an earlier passage of scripture where they laid the foundations of the first temple. It is quite a dramatic moment. I want to read that to you just to give you context before I get into what we want to minister into today. It's from 1 Kings in chapter 8. And basically what happens is King Solomon has everyone come and they're ready to dedicate the temple. I'm going to pick up in verse 3 there, even though I've got verse 1 up there. You can read that later. I'm just a little short on time. For verse 3, when all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings. And the priests and Levites carried them up. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle they could not be recorded or counted. So this is an incredible scene. And it's a very different scene. At this time, the city of Jerusalem is at its greatest height. Solomon is this glittering king. They've built a temple in this moment that, that, that historians estimate was, would have taken $8 billion in modern money to build. And in that moment, here's what happens. The priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and overshadowed the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary. And it goes on, there was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in Horeb. So they've got their history there. They've got all of this here. And then look at verse 10 and 11. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, because the glory of the Lord had filled the temple so profoundly. Now that's one of the most amazing moments in the scripture, in the old story, in the Old Testament. That the glory had filled the temple so profoundly that people could not even minister. Now fast forward, back to where we were in Ezra. And here they are. They do not have the wealth of the city around them. They do not have the glittering King Solomon. They do not have an $8 billion temple that they've constructed. In fact, their city lies in ruins. Their walls are still in rubble. Their homes are still being rebuilt. And as those foundations are laid, there's a very interesting reaction. So we're gonna go back to the Ezra story now and I'm picking up in verse 12. So we're back to the future now where they were in Ezra. 
So the line that just before that is this, the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And then in verse 12, here's the reaction. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish between the sounds of the shout of joy and the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. Now this is such an interesting moment for me. And I have reflected on it and been thinking on it for weeks. But see here in this moment when the foundations are laid, there are people who were there when the glory had filled the temple. There are people who were there who had seen, it says the elders and the olders, people who had seen the $8 billion glory, who had known the previous glory. And they're looking and they're seeing these foundations being laid. And even though there's joy in their hearts, the foundations are being laid, they're weeping and in grief for what has been lost. And on the other hand, you've got a bunch of people who all they've ever known is exile. They grew up in exile. And so they are rejoicing in an incredible celebration for what is coming because they're like, the house of the Lord is being rebuilt. And we have these two unbelievably contrasting moments. And let me just tell you what I'm sensing from the Lord. We're in a similar moment right now. God is moving. But for some of us, our expectations of the way that we want him to move or the way that we've seen him move in the past, he's doing new things that we don't quite understand yet or we're not sure we understand or we're, we're uncomfortable with. And for us, that may find, we may find ourselves right now in a place of grief. For some of you coming into this building for the first time, you found yourself grieving going, oh, I wish that things were the way they were before. I know that feeling myself. I mean, you know, for me, so often I have expectations and things I've dreamt of for years. I have, I've been, you, if you know me at all, you know I've been a student of moves of God and revival for years. And I have in my head an idea of what it looks like when a city experiences revival. And I've just felt like the Lord going, grief if you need to, but lay that expectation down and come with me into the way I want to move now. We have to lay our expectations down over and over. Now, I'm not saying that grief is bad. It's just that we want to experience our grief but then move back into joy-filled expectation because we may have grief over what we've lost, but our journey is joy-filled expectation. Even when we don't know what to expect. Even when we don't know what he's gonna do next. Do you know what? Every time that God has taken us to the next level, for some of us, it has been a time of grief. We first came when we met in the university and I preached the very last sermon in the university. And we had that sense of like, wow, this has been such a precious time meeting in this university classroom. And then we moved to Dunn's. And when we moved to Dunn's, we used to do a donut break. You guys are not gonna believe this. We used to stop the service in the middle and, and have donuts. Anyone remember those days? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people left the church because we let rid of the donut break. Why? And listen, I'm making light of it, but, but they couldn't live in the new story because they were still longing for the old one and their grief was too great. I preached the last sermon at Dunn's. I'm gonna tell you the honest truth. For me and Alan, our previous, uh, you know, Alan and Catherine, our previous founding pastors, 
Alan and I still had grief sometimes over losing Duns. Duns was a terrible place to meet. It leaked. You nearly died turning on the electricity. But we had seen God do some things in that room. And I realized that I had to let that grief go because God wanted to do something new here. And listen, for COVID, what's happened for some of us is we've watched the desolation of so much around us. And you may be in grief right now. And here's what I want to tell you, sister, brother, and me too, because I'm in some grief too. It's okay to grieve. But then we lay that grief down on the altar again and all of our expectations and we say, come Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do. I'm ready for joy-filled expectation. We have to. And again, this is the thing that I keep writing. I want to adjust my focus from my expectations to his faithfulness because he's always faithful. He's always faithful. I don't know what it's gonna look like as breakthrough continues over the city. But let me tell you, I'm not going to let my expectations stop what God wants to do. Do you hear me? I wasn't gonna tell you the story, but I'm gonna do it. I'm the father in the story you heard earlier. You've heard me talk about my business struggling over this time. And let me tell you, I had all kinds of expectations of how that was going to work and and what God was going to do. And I kept, and and honestly, when Neil gave that word, thank goodness my daughter took it up because all of my expectations have been so shattered that I feel like I was living in like a space of grief just going, it's all lost, it's all gone. And then my daughter held on to it for me. And after she said those words to me, I was still, honestly, I was like, man, I'd be great, but... Because my expectations of how it's supposed to work were a very certain way. And then again, listen, it was after work day had closed. I don't even know why they emailed me then. But I opened that email and I was like, my daughter, a young person who's never had to walk this story in this particular way, was more attuned to what God is doing. Because she didn't have that expectation. She just expected God. And yes, for those of you who've been asking, it's an unbelievable breakthrough for me. My business was saved in a moment because God has done more in a moment than I could have achieved in a lifetime. So I just want to say to you, breakthrough is available right now. It's okay for us to grieve, but let's leave our grief on the altar and let's move ahead into the joy-filled expectation of what he is bringing. Here's the thing, and this is just before I bring the guys up, we're going to end this morning with some ministry time, but here's what I want to say to you. Our history must not keep us from God's favor-filled future. And that, my friends, can be both good history and bad history. You've heard it preached from this pulpit many times that your history doesn't have to tell the story of your future. And usually we're talking about the negative things that have happened to us. But here's the thing that I sense from this passage in Ezra. We don't want to let the good things that God has done in the past keep us from the favor-filled future he has for us in the future. So often the greatest hindrance to the move of God that is happening or is about to happen is the move of God that happened the generation or a decade before. And as we start laying foundations again, let me tell you what we need to lay down on that altar and what we want to build on is we want to build on whatever you have next, Lord. Whatever it looks like. If it's in the room or if it's online. And here's the thing this morning, if you're watching online, Let me tell you what I believe right now. I believe that there's breakthrough available in houses and in places across the world, from Agadui to Australia. They're slightly different sizes, okay? Same big God. This morning, let's not let the history of what God has been doing keep us from the history of what he's about to do. 
Let's not live looking back over our shoulders. And see, here's what's so powerful this morning. Those people rejoicing in that moment, they were right. The temple was never an $8 billion spectacle again. The city never regained the former glory. But that second temple is the temple that Jesus walked into. Come on. That second temple is where the early church first started to meet with the 3,000 who'd come in a single moment because God does more in a moment than we do in a lifetime. That temple was where they were walking to when Peter and John said, get up and walk. We don't have money, but we have this in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. It's where people used to lay to get into the shadow because these ordinary, everyday, everyone, everywhere people were carrying a new glory that couldn't be contained on an altar but was built in the altars of hearts. And what I'm so thrilled about this morning is that a new glory is falling and it is not for this building, but it is for those streets and it's for your homes and your schools and your business places. It's not about me and Neil and Janet and Tori, the SLT or any of the staff here. It's about all the unknown people who the glory falls upon because it's for everyone. It's about a move of God that can't be contained to one single church in a community, begins to break out in such a way, and it so destroys our expectations that we just get a hold on and go, go God, we're with you. Let's not let our history keep us from his favor-filled future. So this morning, here's how we're gonna close. I wanna just take a few minutes. I'm gonna invite some friends up. I've asked them, Andy and Shirley Rogers, come on up. They've been with us from the very beginning. And then I've got two extraordinary young people. Dan, Jasmine, you guys come on up too. And here I stand in the middle, the bridge of generations. Andy and Shirley are not that much older than me. Just, I, don't want to make, <laughs> I just couldn't resist that moment. Let me tell you what we felt. One is this, breakthroughs in the room. Two. In that story, what is so sad is it's people from the story before held back the people who are waiting for the story to come. I don't believe that's gonna be our story in these days. I believe that whatever God's gonna do isn't for the young people alone or for the old people, it's for all peoples. So whether you've been in this story with us for 15 years or 20 years or you've been in this story for 20 weeks, the glory is coming. And so I've asked these guys just this morning to just, take, just to begin. Andrew, can you come as well? Andrew's just going to come and play. I've just asked the guys what they're sensing from the Lord. So it's a little awkward, but we're just going to invite the press of the Holy Spirit, and they're just going to begin to share some of the things that they're sensing because God is pouring out his presence on all peoples. Age is not a qualifier anymore. Just the altar of a heart and readiness to lay foundations. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe just get in a posture to receive wherever you are. If you, feel, if you want to kneel, that's fine. You can stand, you can sit. Maybe just place our arms out in front of us. And again, this is just a recognition of the fact that we hold nothing in our hands and we want the presence of Jesus to fill it all. Guys. Um, just as we were so I was kind of asking the Lord what I wanted to do um, and I just got this phrase and it wasn't 
you know, it's not the most profound phrase, but it's just that Jesus means fun. Um, yeah. And I just, I really got the sense that maybe just a few people here today, um, fun maybe isn't a word that you've associated with church or with God over this past while. Um, but I really think there's just, um, yeah, this invitation for joy. Um, and specifically, I just think maybe it's something that the, the enemies maybe tried to rob you of. Um, so yeah, if that if that is you, just um, I'm gonna do it too. You just place your hand on your heart, um, and I'm just I'm just gonna pray. I just feel like uh, we're just gonna leave a bit of space, and I think the joy of the Lord's just gonna fall. Come um, on, yeah, Come on. yeah, Jesus, we just want you, mm. Lord. Let your glory fall. Yes, and yeah, Father, for those who have been struggling, Lord. Um, where joy just hasn't been something that's actually felt natural, that's actually felt um, available, Lord. We just we just contend for it now, Lord, and yes. and we can't do it by making it sound better, Lord Jesus. We just need you to come. So yeah, Lord, right now and online as well for those watching on, Lord, let your joy just fall in this place, Lord. Yes. You know, it says in the Bible that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Yeah, that actually, and, and I would get the sense that even for those people where it's been like opposition and where it's been really hard, where you felt like the enemies just restricted you there, that it's actually going to be a catalyst to um, push back the work of the enemy. The joy is actually going to be something from this point onwards. It's actually going to be your biggest companion. Wow. So yeah, Lord, just let your joy fall, Lord, over every yes. heart here. Come. Joyful. Yes. And you might even just want to say under your mask, God, I'm open to what you're doing. Open to what you're doing. Yes. Holy Spirit, I receive what you're doing. So, yes. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. Yes. All over, Lord, all over the room. Come. Yes. Just receive that. just really need that joy too and that fun it has felt like a season of no fun at times and I just want that fun again but it's been a season where I just have been sensing this week that you know I felt like I've had to hold back I've had to help step back. I can't do the normal thing of just going up to somebody and giving them the hug that I really want to give them. And I've been held back from who I really am at times. And it's just felt like there's a line I can't cross because of what the restrictions have been this year. But I have a real sense and a real burning in my heart right now that this line is about to be broken. Yes, come on. And I'm not talking about, yes, we're breaking COVID restrictions. I am not saying that. But I am talking about the line that has been placed that we have placed on ourselves in restrictions, right? And I just feel like what even um, Steph shared about that waiting time. Maybe you've not just been at this holding back time, but you've been then just a bit forward in a waiting time. And it's time to step into contending again. Wow. You're waiting, but it's time to step yes. into the fight and the contending for what God truly has for you. Yes. And today, I just have this strong sense of wanting to step right forward yeah, and say, 
God, I have no idea what it looks like. Even, even in the natural, with, with the restrictions lifting, I still don't know what it's going to look like for a season. And God, it feels a wee bit like that in the supernatural too. But that's fine. I just want to say I'm stepping forward into whatever it looks like, Father. And I want to give you the chance to do that too. And there's no cameras on anybody in the room at the minute. So you're free to respond to that whatever way you want to respond. You might want to do, just as Dan said, put your hand on your heart. You might want to stretch your hands out in front of you just saying, yes, Lord. You might want to kneel before him just in the surrender that we've been talking about these weeks. Or you might physically want to step forward. And that includes everybody at home. We've been in that place where we've done this in our front room as well. And it has meant just as much as if we were here. So I just want to encourage you now. And just this is a time of encounter. I think the encounter night couldn't come at a better time because we felt we can't maybe step into the everyone, every day, everywhere thing as we were before because we've had to hold back and we've had to not just be gone, go so close to people. But I think the Father's just rebirthing in us again what is rightfully ours, what is in our DNA and what is in our destiny and what is in everything he has for us. So even stepping into that today. And um, as I was praying this week, um, I felt a sense of like anxiety and uncertainty about what the future will hold and I just want to pray over everyone um, in the room and at home that all anxiety will be replaced by peace yes, and all uncertainty yes, with certainty yes, and trust in the fact that you know everything that has happened and that will happen and it is all in your hands God. Yes. So in thinking about this morning, I have past few days, I've had this sense that there's someone here and uh, you've experienced the bitter, bitter pain of betrayal uh, from your siblings or a sibling, a sibling or siblings. And um, if my hunch is correct, it's, it's, it may be connected with a family inheritance. It may be connected some way with that previous generation. And uh, there was two things in it. First of all, was that that uh, the father sees and knows you're not on your own. The second thing was an invitation from him to walk through it and alter your identity. It says that all of creation is groaning in expectation for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And, and his invitation is that 
the, the, the experience that you're walking through, that kind of turmoil, that, that groaning, that um, chaos that perhaps exists in that family situation, for you, the redemption comes whenever you lean into your primary identity as a son or daughter. I'm not sure whether you're male or female. Uh, and when, I will ask you to identify, if you want to identify with that, feel no obligation to do so because this could be an awkward moment for you if your siblings are in the room. So, but if that's you, uh, know that you're seen, know that you're known, and know that there is a pathway of redemption out of that by leaning into your identity as a son and a daughter, allowing the father's love. It's just like the story of the two, of the prodigal son. Uh, the father addressed both of his sons. He embraced one, put a robe around him, put a ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf. For the other, who had also squandered his inheritance and felt, felt sibling tension, he said, you've been with me always. Everything I have is yours. The Father's voice to you is your mind. Live in the freedom and the reality of a, as a son and a daughter. So Father, I pray. Yes. Pray for all of us, Father. But specifically for this, Lord, that you grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you as you truly are, that, you, that you'd open up the eyes of our hearts to see the hope to which we are called in you. And we say yes, Lord, to this, our primary identity as sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. this time we're not closing the presence of Jesus this morning I just had these words in my head over and over a fresh start and it's right here right now there's a fresh start for some of you in the room these words this morning have all been around that theme of a fresh start now so I've asked Andrew just to sing over us maybe we just let our hearts sing even though we can't with our mouths as he just as we sing glory glory Steph and Dave come. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmichoostvineyard.com.